Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. Death of a Salesman is Arthur Miller's classic drama, a tragedy, really, about a man's tortured relationship with the American dream and its impact on his family and the people around him. Each revival of the classic has featured a white actor as the protagonist, Willie Loman, until now. Venerable actor Wendell Pierce, best known for his role in The Wire, brings his heft to the role. Not only that, for the first time, the Loman family is black in this latest revival. In this conversation, first recorded for Washington Post Live on October 24th, Pierce talks about how death of a salesman can be seen in a whole new light with a black family without changing a word of Miller's classic. It is a depiction of the African-American experience and humiliation of racism and the ugliness of the American paradox that you see how destructive it is to a community, how destructive it is to a family, how it is institutionalized in our policies and laws, but also in our cultural mores and how destructive it can be to an individual's humanity. So, Wendell, what does it mean to you to play Willie Loman first as an actor? This is uh, one of the great challenges of the American canon, uh, this classic play that has challenged actors uh, for the past 70 years. From the moment it was introduced, it was uh, groundbreaking. Um, it was one of the first times we, we even deal with the idea of flashbacks and uh, a man and character having to deal with the repercussions of his uh, past and his actions in the past. It is a deep psychological dive as you see someone who is tortured by first those unknown uh, uh, factors in his life uh, that are torturing him and then the, the revelations that ultimately uh, destroy his spirit so much to the point that it destroys his life, those unconscious things. Uh, so not only is the play a challenging uh, piece of work when it comes to the material and the script itself and creating the world so strong that it induces the behavior, uh, creating the relationship so strong and creating all the incidents that uh, are at stake, but it also uh, is a deep, psychological dive, understanding the pathology of the psychosis that is happening to the man and trying to allow that to uh, create the uh, three-dimensional character, character that you're trying to do. So it challenges mm -hmm. the actor uh, in a multitude of uh, complex ways. And that's, um, it's, that's why I call it the American Hamlet. Mm -hmm. And this isn't our first time talking about, about this role. We, I interviewed you for my Sunday show on MSNBC. And in, in that conversation, uh, you told me this play, quote, speaks to our humanity. What spoke to you about the character of Willie Loman? It spoke to me 
is um, something that was very personal. Uh, I am a middle-aged man, uh, considering all the same things that he's considering. Uh, are my best days behind me? What have I entrusted to some sort of legacy? How have I impacted people's lives, uh, my family's life? Have I made, made a mark in this world? Willie Loman says, man can't go out the same way he came in. And uh, that's something that I was considering too, as an actor at this point in my career. What is my body of work? Where have I uh, triumphed? Where have I failed? And, um, and what am I gonna do about it at this point, stage of my life and my career? So it spoke to me, it, uh, a, a real deep personal reflection has happened um, within me as I uh, considered the role. And that's what great art should do. It challenges us to reflect on our journey here and decide what our values are and uh, act on them. And hopefully in a positive way, because the cautionary tale is making sure you don't take those actions that ultimately could destroy you in a negative way. You know, let's talk about your role as Willie Loman as a black man. Death of a Salesman is set in 1949, smack in the middle of segregated America. Talk to me about exploring the American dream through that lens. Well, you know, doing the research on this was amazing. First, I thought of my father, who at 17, drafted, goes into the war, fights in Saipan in the Pacific theater, fighting fascism around the world, while ultimately living in New Orleans, he returns to the fascism of America. Um, and people always say that sometimes that's a strong word to use, but it has been. It is uh, the American paradox that my father, um, was as it was as much in danger in New Orleans when he returned from the war as he was on the beaches of Saipan. Mm. That his life wasn't valued. Um, he could not go wherever he wanted to, and at the same time to try to struggle to achieve that American dream. And that is the paradox that is heightened with the pursuit of the American dream uh, and the American aesthetic in death of a salesman and wondering if that pursuit itself is a disillusionment. There was no evidence for African-Americans that the American dream was going to be fairly distributed and allowed to flourish in our community. There had been multitudes of examples of how your life was going to be, uh, at the very least, uh, uh, impacted by obstacles that were going to be placed in front of you, institutionalized obstacles, not random, but specifically to make sure that your pursuit of the American dream was stunted. And so to explore that in the play, I first thought of my parents, who in spite of everything, um, believed that they could make a way out of nowhere. And that is something that has flourished in 
the American, uh, African-American culture that in spite of everything, we will flourish. We will find a way. So that was the thing that inspired me to make Willie, unlike the other portrayals that have been accustomed and normalized in the history of the play, of this slow dirge to death, uh, this overwhelming weight that the man carries. It inspired me to play the role differently, which was this firebrand of a man who would fight to the very end to make sure he left something for his family and for his sons uh, and his wife. And so um, it's a different portrayal for me. I also think of the men uh, in my industry who were heroes of mine, Ozzie Davis and uh, Roscoe Lee Brown, James Earl Jones, Sidney Poitier, who because of the ignorance of racism and cultural um, exclusion, were never allowed to play the role. Uh, no one ever thought to uh, do this interpretation prior and allow them to take on one of the great roles in the American canon. So I owe a great debt to them and I have a great obligation to them as I step on the stage every night. I think about that uh, as a part of the journey of Willie Loman. Um, he understands that he has a great debt to all of those who have gone before, and he's an orphan. So he's trying to connect to that history and try to connect to that legacy of black men and women who fought so hard to uh, make sure that he had uh, a footing, uh, uh, was rooted in the earth to kind of bring a better life to his existence. Um, so the black experience is about that fight. It's about that journey. Um, and that's the legacy that has passed on from the Moses generations to the Joshua generations time and time again, that make a way out of no way and understand that there are those who do not have your best interest at heart, who will try to institutionalize a violent, ugly racism to do everything to impede you truly, truly living out your full humanity. And that's the thing that I think about when I do the interpretation that we have of this African-American moment family. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love that you said the interpretation of, of the African-American Lohman family. I wanna go back to um, what you said, you described Willie Lohman as a firebrand of a man. And I wanna play this scene um, from the production, uh, it's you as Willie Loman. You're speaking with your boss, Howard. Um, let's play that and we'll talk about it on the other side. In those days, there was personality in it, Howard. There was respect and comradeship and gratitude in it. Today it's all cut and dry. There's no chance of bringing friendship to bear. All personality, you see what I mean? They don't know me anymore. That's just the thing. If man. I have $40, that's all I need, Howard, can't, $40. I can't take blood from a stone. Oh, in the year Al Smith was nominated, your father came I've to me. I've got to see said, some people. I'm can't. talking about your father. There were promises made across this desk. You mustn't tell me you have people to see. I put 34 years into this firm, Howard, and now I can't pay my insurance. You can't eat the orange and throw the peel away. A man is not a piece of fruit. So Wendell, there is so much going on in that scene. And when I saw it in the theater, um, it just hit me differently. Um, 
none of the words were changed um, from Arthur Miller's original production. None of the words were changed. And yet here we are. And the key thing in that scene is a black man raising his voice, um, not just at his, at, at his boss, but at a, at a white man. Talk about the power of that scene um, for you performing that. But also, in your answer, tell me if I'm wrong here, because there's another character on the stage or throughout this production, and that's race. When I'm watching, when I watched uh, Death of a Salesman, race stalked that stage. And is that, am I seeing it that way because I'm a black man and Arthur Miller's words from 1949 are landing on me in a completely different way in 2022? That's what the interpretation does. It heightens, it heightens the very conflicts that Arthur Miller was pointing out the humiliation of Willie Oldman in that scene is heightened to an nth degree because here's this black man in 1949 subscribed to a, a position of subservience to his boss, who he remembered as a child, who he actually named as a child when his father brought him in and said, what do you think of the name of Howard? really actually approved. So he's talking to someone he knew as a child and as a baby who now has complete um, authority over him and controls his entire existence in this one moment where he can either give him a job and allow him to stay here because he is failing on the road and be with his family. And ultimately, he humiliates him to no end. And you see the, so the social mores just in that scene. If it tape had played on, I have to step back from the, the vehemence that I argued with him and almost apologized to him. And then he humiliates me more and ultimately destroys me, sets me on a path of destruction because I'm fired and I lose everything. I lose any possibility of uh, changing my life and my family's life. People don't even remember that in the middle of the scene, people who had seen it before, that it is written that a lighter falls and he picks it up and he gives it to his boss in the middle of the scene. And it's a humiliating moment after he's told his son, don't ever do something like that. If something falls on the floor, let someone else pick it up. But to be there for me to pick it up every night, there is a audible <laughs> howl, I like to call it. There was a woman there one afternoon who just let out this primal scream of a no from the balcony. Wow. And it was the, one of the most cathartic moments uh, I have ever experienced in the theater because I knew that she understood that humiliation that the character was going through, that she had experienced it in her own life and just let out this primal scream. And that's a catharsis that allows folks who have been there before, no matter who you are, to feel it in a way that is um, changing. It allows you to understand that we understand your pain, and ultimately know that there's a healing that can happen, but don't make 
the mistakes that Willie makes after he goes through the same experience that you go through. It is a depiction of the African-American experience and humiliation of racism and the ugliness of the American paradox that you see how destructive it is to a community, how destructive it is to a family, how it is institutionalized in our policies and laws, but also in our cultural mores and how destructive it can be to an individual's humanity. So you see through the course of the play, that sort of sweeping consciousness of the racism that impacts our lives on a macro and micro level, micro and macro aggressions that are so completely multifaceted and complex in their destructiveness. Um, and that is what the cautionary tale is. How destructive these conditions can be to the human condition. And is that what we are? Is that the American dream? Is that what we say our values are? Are we gonna allow this to continue? A play that was written 70 years ago that's speaking to us today as if it was written just last week. It's, uh, it's should give us a sense of shame as an American culture, that we cannot evolve away from the original American sin mm -hmm. and allow it to destroy us and destroy our humanity and ultimately destroy our institutions, our families, everything. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's another scene um, in in the play that folks who have seen it maybe multiple times, uh, it might hit a lot differently um, with you in the scene. Folks, remember, Willie Loman had an affair. And right. in, and in um, your uh, interpretation of Death of a Salesman, you insisted on having a white woman cast in that role. Why was that yeah. important to you? They did a reading of the play with this interpretation. Uh, the original directors uh, were British and uh, Miranda Cromwell, who continued on as the director here in, uh, here in New York on Broadway, is British also. So they had a reading with American actors when they were thinking of the concept. And to a person, the American actor said, no, no, you can't do it that way. Uh, I mean, that would be so dangerous that would be so scary I did. for him to go that would for him to go that far in that time to have an affair with a white woman um really it, it, uh, it's, it's a bridge too far it's too outlandish and i told the directors then and the producers i said that is the very reason we have to do the interpretation what you experienced is what the american audience will experience there will be those who cannot conceive of the idea 
Uh, there will be those who will feel the danger and the desperation of the act at that time, that someone would go that far as to try to find a way to, um, uh, to not fail, to, to succeed, that he would risk his life. Because ultimately, if he is, when the affair happens, is in flashback, it is the year after the Scottsboro boys. So as she says in the hotel room, as she's in her underwear, if I step out of here with no clothes on, I hope no one sees me in the hall, which is a unveiled threat. That is saying, if I step into this hall as a white woman with you in this room and your son who discovers you in this room as two black men, the slightest implication of any impropriety, you could get killed and lynched. It has been the heart of so many uh, violent episodes in America of black men just being accused of a slight towards a white woman ending in their death. The most famous that we think of is a young boy from Chicago, Emmett Till, mm -hmm. who supposedly winked or whistled or whatever. And to this day, the woman who made that accusation uh, knows that that accusation killed him. And there's no accountability on her part. Uh, so it's very real. And I said, that is why we have to have the woman as the white woman. It shows the desperation that Willie has, that he would go so far as to endanger himself um, in this pursuit of a monetary success in business. And that also it endangered his son, where that one incident was the was the the, uh, the 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 one destructive moment in their lives that destroyed their relationship as well. Mm -hmm. So the epiphany of it has to have the strongest impact uh, as possible. And it also allowed us to really, um, in that moment, uh, heighten everything even more, because the destruction of the relationship with his wife Linda. It's a betrayal that goes even deeper um, than the original impact. And the other day, I was very fortunate of meeting a woman who's 100 years old. Uh, she had seen the original production. Wow. And most other productions in the course of the other five revivals. And um, she expressed how much she really appreciated our interpretation because so much more was at stake because of the interpretation. Now, you mentioned uh, a moment ago that uh, the director is British. Um, um, and folks should know that before it came to Broadway, you performed this in London. Um, yes. I'm, I'm wondering, am I wrong in thinking that the words in, the words hit differently in London than they than they do here in the United States. I'm wondering if the British audience was as attuned to the nuances on display in this decidedly American story. Uh, yes, they were. Um, we all have a shared humanity. And with an understanding of the conditions of the African-American 
experience, especially in 1949, and the conditions that were happening for the family, and was happening in the play. Uh, and it's our responsibility of making sure that people understand that and feel it as artists. Uh, people in London were acutely aware of how it would land on this Loman family as uh, African-Americans in these conditions in 1949. But it was with the understanding that a British person would have um, from outside the situation uh, and a, an understanding and an empathy um, and uh, some catharsis. But I have found doing it here in, in New York on Broadway with an American audience, and especially with African-Americans in the audience, um, it is, an, it is a, a, a more deep, visceral impact, a catharsis of understanding for all in the audience, not just African-Americans, but everyone. It is this is our conditions. And what happens is with the revival, you are speaking to the audience at the time, right now, with the understanding that this was written 70 years ago. And it's classic. What makes something classic is it speaks to our humanity across time and space and race and gender and will speak to our hearts and our humanity long after we're gone. But within that reflection, to know that it is still a timely and relevant message today sets a fire of indignation and shame. The word shame keeps coming up, that we should have a sense of shameful shameful inheritance of an ideology that we see burgeoning again and again and again especially in our culture and our politics um, that is so self-destructive to where we want to go as a society and that's the role of art what thoughts are to the individual where you reflect on who you are where we've been where you hope to go what are your values? Where are your failures? Where are your triumphs? As we twist and turn at night when we're thinking about our own personal decisions, it's in the form of the theater that we come together, turn out the lights, and collectively, all of us, no matter how disparate we are as people, reflect on our culture and society, who we are, where we've been, where we hope to go, what are our values, and hopefully, we as artists move you to walk out of the room and out of the theater and act on those values. Mm -hmm. I tell people that's my contribution to, uh, to the political spectrum right now, to mm -hmm. move people and that they should be moved to participate in our political process because more now than ever um, is can have an adverse effect on our lives more than any other time than right now. Mm -hmm. Wendell, we've got uh, less than two minutes left, but I cannot let you go without asking uh, this final question. You've always wanted to play Willie Loman. So personally, 
What will you take away from this experience? Um, that I left my mark. I did my best. That this is the accumulation of uh, of all that I had seen and experienced as an artist, as a man, over the course of my 40-year career. I tried to take that distillation and, and put it on the stage each night. Uh, hopefully, I've moved at least one person in the course of the weeks and months that I've done the role. I hope that I can move someone's heart. Uh, I hope I can move someone's spirit, that they will leave the theater and make a positive impact on not only their life, but on someone else's life. And then with that, people will remember Amos and Althea's youngest son, Wendell Pierce. I can't think of a better way to end this extraordinary conversation. Wendell Pierce, thank you so much for coming to Capehart on Washington Post Live. Thank you very much. It was a great honor, Jonathan. I really, really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's produced by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ.